Okay, Tzorayim Tov, we continue in the Sefer Das HaSviros, where hopefully we'll finish up the Sphera of Tiferes, uh, beauty, the Sphera that's associated with Yaakov, where we're able to strike that perfect balance between Chesed and Gvura. And the Gemara Hulan mentions, when it talks about the dream of the ladder that Yaakov had and the angels going up and down, it said they were looking at Yaakov's face above. We know by the throne of glory, there's the four faces and one is a human. And they looked at the face above and they came down below and they see it's the same face. So we see that Yaakov Avinu represents the ideal human being. That's up in the Shemaim as he manifested down below. And why is it that Yaakov's image is etched in the throne of glory above and not any other patriarchs? And the answer is it's because of this virtue that that which we see, the total perfection, the total truth without any deficiency at all, the perfect balance, that is Yaakov. And Yaakov is that complete correction and there's no flaw in that character. And therefore, it is represented in this supernal reality where up below is what we say the perfection that exists. And with this idea, we also understand the Gemara and Tainus, although we've said it before, we dealt with Chachma, but the same idea will apply now as well, where it says, Yaakov Avinu did not die. So again, what does it mean he did not die? So we know that death is always associated with some kind of deficiency, a lack of perfection. And because of the sin of first man, we have to correct that perfection, and that has to come through death. But Yaakov, whose whole attribute was Torah, and there was no defe defects at all, so really there's no actual idea of death, per se. Well, his body may leave, but that's not the definition of life. The definition of life is, is a perfect connection to Hashem, and therefore he had that perfect connection. As well, the Vilna Gon explains uh, when the Talmud tells us that Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov referred to the temple in different ways. Yaakov, but in Avram's context, was called Ahar, a mountain, as he went to Mount Moriah. Yitzhak, it's referred to as a field. He went out to the field to Daven. And Yaakov, it's, it's referred to as a house. So what are those... So there's three ways of, of discussing the area of the Beis Hamikdash, And the Vilna Gon explains there's three levels of holiness by the Beis Hamikdash. There's the Har Habayis, there's the Temple Mount, there's the Azar of the Courtyard, and then there's the Kodesh Kadashim, the Holiest of Holies. So, and therefore, what do we see? The Har Habayis, the Temple Mount, that parallels uh, prayer the way he explains it, which is acts of kindness. And that's the mountain. That's the mountain. And that goes with Avram. And the Azara, the courtyard is for Kabanos, offerings, that's the Avoda, that's the field, as, yeah, as Yitzchak referred to the field. But finally, the holiest of holies, that's where the Torah lies, and that's called the bias. That's called the house. So what do we see? That the holiest of holies is, a, is referred to as the bias, and Yaakov referred to it as a bias. When he had the dream of the ladder, he said, this is the base Elohim, 
This is the house of God. And therefore, what was in the house of God? The luchos, in the holiest of holies, the, the written tablets. And it was hidden and nobody could grasp it. Even when the temple was destroyed, it was hidden and nobody could get it. Because it's all connected with Yaakov, with all that permanence of perfection that exists. Okay. Now, just to know what the buzzwords we're going to use now are. So when we talk about the uh, five worlds, and the five worlds, the Orach Ampin, the long face. And then we talked about the Abba and the Ima. Okay, and then below that is the Ze'er Ampin, the small face. And we said those are the six spheros of Chesed through Yesod. So another term that's given for it is the six edges of Tiferes. Because there are six spheros that are in that realm of the short face. And so therefore, why is it called the six edges of Tiferes? Because Tiferes, this attribute, is the one that really stands everything up. Just like a six is Vav, and a Vav is straight. And we deal with the name of Hashem, the Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, etc. I don't want to get into the details, but the Vav parallels that world. Vav is six, so there's six edges. But where is the perfection of those six? That's in the Tiferes. So therefore, when we're looking at life in this world, because the world of this, the, the Zerin Ampin is a world, it's this world where things are supposed to happen. So therefore, it's associated with Tiferes is the main part of all these six uh, uh, attributes. If you hit the Tiferes, everything else is leading up to it or following it, even though it, even though there's six and it's the third, but it, it's the, the, the center link, so to speak, to everything. Okay, now he gets into a very lofty idea. I was debating if I should say it or not, so we'll say it. Uh, and if, if it goes above everybody's head, okay, so it's five minutes down. But some certain ideas we want to understand. Um, it's brought down by the Vilna Gon and Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Hover. They say that in the truest realities, the top three, Chesed, Gvura, and Tiferes, are attributes whose primary function is in the world to come. While the lower three, Netzach, Hod, and Yesod, is primarily for this world. So what does that mean? That's what they say. What does it mean? So the truth is, the conduct in the world to come is where everything is complete, is everything is perfect. For example, story of the Talmud, this rabbi was deathly ill. He temporarily died. And then he came back to life. And when he came back to life, they said, what happened? He says, well, I was up in heaven when I was dead. Outer body experience. He says, what did you see? I saw an upside down world. The people on the bottom here are on top over there and vice versa. So what did they say? No, you didn't see an upside down world. Olam Borer Raisa, you saw a clear world because that's the real world. That's the real world of reward for those who serve Hashem. That's where those mitos really reflect in a perfect way. The world to come is a perfect world. And whatever conduct that you see there is perfect. And there in that world, the chesed is a perfected chesed. The gvura is a perfected gvura. 
because the Tiferis, it, you get the ultimate, ultimate perfection. That is what the world to come is. Now we make, so you're going to say, what does it help us? We're not in that world. Yeah, but you're not going to be that world unless you've been practicing down here. And more than this, we know that the patriarchs uh, were all called as they were blessed, bakol mikol kol, with those words kol. And the Gemara says the patriarchs were so virtuous that they tasted the world to come while they were here. <coughs> Which means to say that we can aspire, even in this world, to, to try to come close to it, and which will become perfected later on. But Avram, who perfected the attribute of kindness, and Yitzhak, who perfected Gura, and Yaakov, who perfected Tiferes. So God let them taste the world to come in this world. And really, everyone has an opportunity, especially on Shabbos, to be able to taste that world of perfection. Why we have the other realm, you'll see because we're not perfect. It's very, very hard to reach perfection. In this world where, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it, it can't be perfect. Why? Because then there'll be no free will choice. It, there has to be a free will choice. And therefore, we deal with the lower three realms, which we'll talk more when we get to those realms of Netzachot and Yesod. And we'll explain why in this world you find the righteous suffering the wicked are, 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 are thriving. And it's all connected. The righteous suffer, so they'll have a perfect Olam Haba. The wicked are prospering, so they'll get no Olam Haba. In other words, things have to happen down here to make it perfect in the next world, because in this world, it's, it's flawed. So, and therefore, we have to, even though we're primarily dealing with the lower three levels in this world, but the higher three are definitely important. Those are levels that we will have at a time in the future, all of us. But we got to be working on them. You don't get what you don't work on. So it doesn't mean say, okay, I'll, I'll leave Chesek for the rest till I'm dead, next world. Yeah, but then you're not even going to have any desire for it if you don't, if it's not something you were striving for in this world. Now, this leads us to the next point, which I think is very appropriate. So, the, uh, the Vilna Gon says an awesome things. Even though this world is the Olam Hazer world and it's primarily with the attributes of Netzachot and Yesod, still, in every generation, there must be three people in this world that are chariots for the higher levels of Chesed, Gvur, and Tiberis. There's got to be a righteous person in this world who's the embodiment of perfect Chesed, another one perfect Gvura, another one, perfect Tiferes. Why? So we have some role models. So you have to know that these concepts exist. And, uh, and therefore, and they will connect us with that tremendous Olam Haba flavor, and we'll be able to be influenced positively by them, so that even our three lower realms that we deal with will have a focal point derived from that. And he brings a proof from a Gomorrah. I'm not going to get into this. He shows that there were three great people. And uh, clearly, it, they're there to help us when we see that there are human beings who can really live that way. So then we aspire for that. And that's something we want. It may, may, may not be something we achieve completely in this world. And we're going to be far from perfection. But it's something we'll long for. 
And then if we work on it, and then Hashem will arrange things in the next world that we'll be able to benefit from that. So when you when you see a tzaddik like Rav Steinman who passes away, I mean, there, there's no way the non-Jewish world can appreciate him. If you read the obituaries, they can only say he was the rabbinical leader of the right-wing faction of Haredi. That's how you describe Rav Steinman. He was a, he was a living angel. So they, they, they don't get those ideas. But people who would see them, be touched by them, and stories you hear from them, it's good to know that that's so, so the one that you could say, you know, when you read about Seville, you get kind of depressed. You say, oh, I can never be like him. Not in this world. But you could want to be like him, to strive to be like him, and then Shem will reward us in the next world with that. Okay, I'm gonna skip another little section over here because it's not so easily relatable to us. So now we're gonna move in very shortly as to, okay, so what is our avoda? Okay, now that we talked about Tiferes, so what am I supposed to do about it? In other words, we're, we're beginning to see that, okay, the situations come in life where chesed, remember, is unlimited giving, unlimited expansion, and you just wanna be that kind of person. And then you're dealing with gvura that, as we said, it's power and strength, where you're gonna to have to use a lot of power in order to create a chesed that will achieve something, or you have to use a lot of power that will constrain yourself in terms of co controlling yourself or controlling others or controlling how much you give. And this great challenge of finding this balance, this perfect balance. So, and, and we're trying, so obviously, we're going to see that when we're doing certain behaviors before we do something, we want to think of all the sides. And what is the perfect way I could do this chesed? That's what we have to start thinking. We have to strive. Now, we can't get neurotic about it. But we strive at least from time to time when we have presence of mind to say, I want to do this mitzvah perfectly. Now, that means it's gonna take some time, some thought. You're gonna to have to be exercising Chachmabina and Das, obviously, before that. But now it's coming to the actual behavior and the emotion that goes with this. So therefore, it says in Pirkei Avos, a second chapter, Rebbe says, what is the straight path that a person should choose for himself in his life? Here are the words. Something that's a tiferes le'oseha, something that is tiferes beautiful for the one who does it, the tiferes lo min hadam, and beautiful from other people. And let's read for you the words of the primary commentary, Rovavadja Bartanura. And he says like this, the word is, he says, she noach lo, it should be pleasant for him, and other people should be pleased with him. So he gives the simple example. When a person looks at all these midos that we have and to go in the middle way and not to go to either one of the extremes. For example, if the guy is very stingy, well, it's a beautiful thing for him because he's got a lot of money. He's got a lot, it's great. But other people are not so pleased with him. If he, on the other hand, he's a spendthrift more than should do, People love him. They bless him. 
but it's not pleasant for him because he'll come to poverty. So what do you have to find? You don't want to be cheap. You don't want to be, um, what do you call it, spendthrift. So what's the middle? Philanthropic. Nidivus. And that's the middle between stingy and spendthrift. And that is a beautiful thing for the person who does it because he's taking care of his money and doesn't blow it all. But it's also beautiful from other people because they're so pleased by what the person does for him. Okay? And that is that is the way a person should go. And that is exactly what Tiferis means. That it means the exact balance between Gvura and Chesed. It's a perfected character with no deficiencies. And that's something that relates to you every step of your life. For example, when you're trying to educate people, right? So you gotta give, but sometimes you gotta hold back. So you always gotta be making that balance. And the question you have to always ask yourself is, am I being balanced in my approach? And that leads into the next section where he says, so what is the avod of a person when it comes to Tiferis? Okay, regarding any interpersonal relationships with family, spouses, children, everything, whatever is involved, if you think that the main challenge in life and the main destruction in life, if your life is miserable, why is it? Because you've been too extreme in one area and you haven't found that balance. And once you can find that balance, you can immediately get out of that area. So just on a simple level, very simple, oversimplified, when you're trying to educate your children or people, whatever. So a person is very stubborn and he's always stubborn. And he says, it's got to be this way. It can't be any other way. Every little thing I'm going to stick them on, every little thing I'm going to criticize because they have to be perfect. Well, what's going to happen is you're going to have a big problem with the relationship with your kids. What do you mean? You have to have a strong hand of discipline. Well, not really. So now what happens? What happens is, so now usually the kid rebels, isn't happy, can go off the dare. All kinds of things can happen. So, so, so what do you got? So why are you having problems? Because you're not balanced. You got to understand, first of all, it's chesed. I love him. I want to give him everything I can give him, and that's my starting point. But I don't want to spoil him. So now you got to figure, okay, how am I going to balance this? Now, this can be a problem because by nature, you may be a little bit more imbalanced. You may be either too much of a softy or too much of a hard, hard person. And therefore, you got to get out of your comfort zone. And then how, and that's the problem. If you're having problems in relationships, you can put your finger on it. There's an imbalance somewhere. Now you got to find out where the imbalance is. Because there's so many ways in life. Somewhere between chesed and gvura, which has dozens of characteristics, manifestations of kindness and control. And you got to say, so where am I messing up on the balance? And then, even no matter how many years have passed, all you got to do is shift to get balanced. Things can be repaired. People can forgive. But you have to show them that you've changed. Now, if a person has trouble forgiving, that means they got a problem with their balance. 
So everybody's trying to walk this tightrope. And that's the real deeper message of, you know, it's a very narrow bridge because you got to stay in the middle. And if you go too much to the right, you fall off the bridge. So that, that's a real, so you got to always be focused on how am I going to stay in the middle in a way that's good for everybody. Okay, that takes a lot of thought. And therefore you find the Gemara Psachim, famous Gemara. It says, when you see the donkey of your enemy, okay, Torah tells us you should help him. If the donkey is falling down, you should help and, and load up the animal. It says the donkey of your enemy. And it's almost somebody you hate. And the Gemara says, how is that possible? You're not allowed to hate a Jew. We're not talking about a Gemara, we're talking about a Jew. You're not allowed to hate a Jew. Because it says, thou shalt not hate your fellow brother in your heart. So the more answers, we're talking about the guy did an Avera. He did an Avera. And in such a situation, you're allowed to hate him. That's simple meaning. Then the toast was asked a question, but wait a minute. It says in the Gemara, if let's say there's two situations here. There's two animals, one that needs to be loaded up and one that needs to be unloaded. Okay, and your best friend has a donkey and he's crumbling under the load and he needs to be unloaded. And your enemy needs help loading it up. Now, logically, you should unload the animal of these people. But no, Torah says, load up the one from your animal. Why? To overcome your Yetzirah. So now the question is, what do you mean what kind of Yetzirah is? You're allowed to hate this guy. He did an Avera. So why are we overcoming a Yetzirah? Asks Tosless. Why would anyone so, so, No, no, it's his animal. You understand the problem is you, you're allowed to hate someone if he doesn't have errors. So then why do I have to overcome it? It's a tremendous answer. Because once you hate the guy for a good reason, the guy will hate you back. And then you'll hate him back for him hating you back. And that second round of hatred is not justified. In other words, you, you come to say, you know, please stop desecrating the showers. And the guy says, you, he starts swearing at the guy, you Haredi, this, you piece of dirt, you piece of dreck, you. Then the Haredi gets really angry, and now he, now I really hate him. Now that's the hatred you're not allowed to have. I'm not blaming you that it, 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 it escalated. Usually the initial hatred, you're hating the Avera. But also you're saying to hate the person. Hating the person is not good. And that's the idea that uh, it's this is a hatred that started with a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah to hate a person who doesn't have error. There is a mitzvah. We'll explain more in a minute. But once the hatred escalates, then you become imbalanced hatred. And now you got to deal with the imbalanced hatred. And therefore, even though a lot of times you get into a story and everything seemed correct, but you got to be careful just because you started correct doesn't mean you're going to end correct because you get sucked into the vortex. And then since you started as a righteous person, you figured everything you're doing is righteous. You don't realize the slippery slope you've fallen into and all of a sudden you're, you're hating him for the sake of hating him and not because of the mitzvah. And they tell a story with the brisker of, there was a certain protest that was going on. Great, we're having protests. So he said like this, he commented, he said, 
The first five minutes of the protest were for the sake of heaven. But afterwards, it was all just bad mitos of Gaivan destruction. Which means, let's say, whatever, the government does an anti-Haredi policy. Okay, so you, you want to protest. You're allowed to protest. Start protesting. But then all of a sudden, the police start hitting you and this and that and the anti-protest. Then what happens? You start yelling back and then the sake of God is gone. So you have to always be careful. You want to stay with that L'shem Shemayim, it's not easy to hold on to. Now the Balatanya, one of his most famous pieces, it's in chapter 32, which is easy to remember. 32 is the Gamacha Lave heart. And he brings this whole Gemara of the guy that you hate and all these things. So he explains, what do you mean it's a mitzvah to hate the guy in the beginning? Okay. So he says like, they were talking about a person and, uh, Let's say you rebuke the guy. You're supposed to. But now he doesn't repent. You go to Frumju and say, you know, you're talking in short. You really should stop. Say it nicely. I said, I don't care. Bug off you from Balchu. I don't want to hear from you. Okay. So now you're allowed to hate that guy because he doesn't want to do chuva. Now why? Because they don't want to do chuva. That hurts the Jewish people. You have to remember. Would, if somebody is uh, throwing firecrackers in the middle of a TTC bus, just for random example, you ought to hate such a person. He's putting people's lives at risk. When a Jew talks during shul, he's destroying the Jewish people. He's throwing fireworks into our bus. It's not a good thing. And you told him to stop, and he's telling you to bug off. So, you know, that, 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 that's an interesting thing. And those who are very far away in Yiddish and they don't know any better, we try to bring them closer, they don't know any better. But then he adds, well, let's go back to those people who are the religious ones who know better. And they just tell you to go fly a kite. A, t- a kite. And, but he also says, not only is it a mitzvah to hate them, but it's also a mitzvah to love them. And they're both true at the same time. Hatred because of the evil in them. Love because of that hidden good, that spark of divinity that's inside every Jew that keeps him alive. And for that, you have to have mercy for him. And that's the idea that you have to realize at the same time, this is the difficult part. The Jew should know better. And he's doing terrible things. You must hate the action he did but you must love the person and if he has trouble you have to help him that's a very difficult I know what that's called Tiferis that's called balance just the right amount of hatred is I I don't approve of what you're doing I don't approve of what you're doing and if whatever he may doing you know, you, you're going to say, and the next time he talks, I'm going to say, I don't approve of your behavior. Then they walk out of the shul, and the guy who's, ta- and, and, and he yells back at him. They walk out of the shul, the guy who's talking to the shul trips and breaks his leg, you're the first one to go and help him. How could you help me? What do you mean? I love you. What do you mean? You just told me to stop talking. It doesn't mean I don't love you. <laughs> so that's a balance that you have to be able to put your foot down and say, this is not appropriate. This is not appropriate. But at the same time, to show your love for that person. 
So obviously, the, if, if you love that person, you're going to say it in a different way. You're going to say, you know, something to the effect of, could you do me a favor? It's really hard for me to talk. I'm not sure what I need to talk to you. So please just not tomorrow. We're going to home. Sadik, can you just, you know, please, you know, I know it might be important. But and then the guy could still scream and yell at you. And, you know, you have to kind of bring across the message. I really hate your behavior, but I love you. And it's very hard for people to believe that because most people... If you hate people's behavior, you hate them. So they imagine it's the same thing with you. That's why you have to be very careful to be able to. And that's you find people like the Satmarov who would vociferously talk against the secular Israelis, against the government. He hated the political agenda, but was the kindest pe person to all those secular people. I would do them any favor that they did. So that's the perfect balance you're trying to achieve. It's it's possible, but you got to be a satmarov to be able to do that 24-7. Maybe me and you can rise up the occasion once in a while if we really have time to think about it. But on the spot, hard to do that every time. Okay? So that's the first avoda. First avoda in this mita is to look at the whole picture and say, okay, Got, I've got in my arsenal chesed and guru. They're both useful tools. How much should I use in this situation of both? Remembering that what I'm looking for really is the next point. And the second point is what Rav Dessler says in Mechta Velio. person always has to check everything he does. Does it pass, instead of calling it the smell test, we'll call it the MS test. Because there's a lot of things that seem to be truthful, but really that's only on the outside, but not on the inside. And the inside, really there's bias that makes the whole thing sheker. Okay? And that's something you got to be careful about. And Rabbi Yerucham Lovavis commented in the Gemara in Erevin, there was a, a, a very vulnerable, a, a venerable rabbi who's so brilliant. Now, we know a sheretz, uh, a creeping, crawling animal, is tummy. With his mind, he said, I can come up with 150 reasons, logically, to say it's tar. Mm -hmm. It's not impure. So the question is, so how come we don't rule like him? <laughs> the answer is, you could have all the reasons in the world to say it's pure, but the emesis, it's not. The emesis, God said it's not. So that's all there is to it. A lot of times you could really be, and that's what Rav Shach explains to Gemara in Sanhedrin. He says, any judge who doesn't render a judge that is emes lamito, truthful to its truth, like mamish, true and true, through and through, true and true, causes the Shekhinah to remove from the Jewish people. And he explains, even though it looks like he did the truth, but in the depths, it's not really the truest truth. So the Shekhinah goes away. And Rav Desla brings from the Zohar HaKodesh, it says in Bishalach the following, Elisha the prophet, when he would be in seclusion on the mountain, he was called the Ish Elokim, the man of God. When he came down and dwelt with the villagers, he was just called Elisha. Elisha. So the Zohar HaKodesh explains the difference. 
that when Elisha was in seclusion far away from everybody, he reached the perfection of his levels because he could really focus on himself and he's the man of God. But when he comes back to all the other students of the prophets, everybody else, he's called Elisha. Why? So when a person's found with other people, sometimes you can't always identify the inner truth with certainty because you're influenced by others. But when you're alone, you can come to that real truth. And that's why we have times in our, the, our lives we have to be alone from people. Let's just go for a walk, be by yourself. Yom Kippur is a great day for that. We're all for socializing with people. Alicia himself would be with other people. But you have to have a time when you're all alone and you got to come, what is the true me and what's the real truth I need in life? And these become the two issues. A lot of times there's issues that you're trying, you're, there's conflict. You're trying to resolve conflict. So you have to really, Tiferes means you're really dealing with all the biases and trying to get rid of the biases and say, okay, what, how much of this? Huh? Usually a lot of people are, it's all or nothing. If, if, if I can't have it this way, I don't want it at all, walk away. That means you're looking only one side of the page. That's Tiferes, and that will lead us tomorrow to move on to Netzach. Hopefully we'll get Netzach and Yesod and Hod this week. Okay,